Sorry. Help us preserve the cherished tradition of anonymity by refraining from taking pictures in this or any other meeting room. The format for this session is a reading, two speakers, and ask it basket questions. A basket with paper and pencils will be circulated for you to, if you have any questions for the speakers. Please specify whom your question is for. The reading is from OA 12 and 12, pages 197 and 198, and 200 and 201. This will be circulated for you to, if you have any questions for the speakers. Please specify whom your question is for. The reading is from OA 12 and 12, pages 197 and 198, and 200 and 201. Okay, so you're going to read the highlighted okay. areas here, here, and then here, here. Okay. okay. Tony Compulsive Overeater. How do we practice the 11th tradition? How does our group make its meeting place and time? Okay, so you're going to read the highlighted okay. areas here, here, and then here, here. Okay. okay. Tony Compulsive Overeater. How do we practice the 11th tradition? How does our group make its meeting place and time known to compulsive eaters who might want to attend? How does our group inform the public or support our inner group in informing the public about the OA program? Is our, is our OA recovery attractive enough to draw other compulsive eaters to OA? Do we talk about OA so, so fanatically or so often that we make it unattractive to the people in our lives? Are we careful to keep members' faces and names out of the story when we discuss OA with reporters or write about ourselves? Does our group or inner group provide information about our 11th tradition to the news, media, in our area? Do we ask them to keep all members' anonymity on news stories about OA? Are we willing to speak up for the 11th tradition whenever we see it being ignored? Attraction rather than promotion is good for us and essential for the OA fellowship. Our individual recovery as well as group unity and effectiveness depends upon this unusual brand of public relations. The 11th tradition is based on faith in our program and in that power greater than ourselves which guides compulsive overeaters to our doors. All we have to do is let the facts about OA and its principles be known. We can depend upon our higher power and this miraculous program to attract those who can benefit by what OA has to offer. When we maintain our tradition of anonymity, we ensure that Overeaters Anonymous will remain a spiritual fellowship supporting all of us in our recovery. To be anonymous in OA means to be among many, to accept ourselves as no better or worse than our fellows. This acceptance places us in a state of humility it makes us teachable. We find ourselves listening intently to people whose last names we don't know. They may be younger than we are or less successful by material standards. They may come from entirely different backgrounds. We listen because we identify with them. We've learned that they just may say something that will be our key to recovery. Okay, good morning everyone. I'm Phyllis and I am a compulsive overeater. And I'm going to get this little thing on me. 
Yeah. Just something. Okay. 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 Our first speaker is Phyllis from Hawaii, who will speak 25 minutes. And um, thank you for the reading that you just did. My um, my God has a sense of humor. I was trying to read in, in our eight tools. It has a thing on anonymity that um, when I first got asked to, <laughs> and um, in our meeting, we have, our group is, is really small in Hawaii. I was just sharing that with our other speaker, and we don't, even though we know that there are a lot of people out in our <laughs> And um, in our meeting, we have, our group is, is really small in Hawaii. I was just sharing that with our other speaker. And we don't, even though we know that there are a lot of people out in our, her power, except physically pick me up and carry me into a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, because she knew that I had a problem and she was already going there and she wanted to make certain that I got the help that I needed. And she shared about me in all of her meetings. and. She would chase me around with a big book. And um, finally what she did was people would tell her in the meetings, Donna, it's a program of attraction, not promotion. And um, if she stopped laying all the literature around her power, except physically pick me up and carry me into a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous because she knew that I had a problem and she was already going there and she wanted to make certain that I got the help that I needed and she shared about me in all of her meetings and hiding it in little places and waiting for that telephone call and she brought a man over to the house that um, was an attraction to the program for me and I, um, I certainly I, I could not for the life of me figure out what these two had to talk about so much why how could they sit down how in the world could they sit down without any substance in front of them and just laugh and giggle and talk and this man was not her husband she was married she wasn't interested in him in any other kind of way except that they seemed to have good conversations together about whatever it was and they'd come over to my house she didn't live with me and she'd sit on my couch and they'd giggle and talk and finally this man became an attraction to the program for me and he became my boyfriend <laughs> And I got into recovery. Morning. I got into recovery. And uh, by the grace of God, did I get into recovery. Two years after I came into the um, our mother group, I started eating. And, and I was eating nonstop. And, and I couldn't understand what in the world was going on with me. And I was, it was six months of continuous eating and I was full to the point of pain. And I'm full to the point of pain thinking about what I'm going to eat next. What is my next meal? But my stomach is hurting. When I was a child, my dad, my mother and father were divorced when I was seven. And my dad fixed our first Thanksgiving meal. And, and um, dad told us, and this is my first compulsive overeater memory, that uh, when you do that inventory, you think back and you wonder... You wonder, and so Dad cooked a couple of chickens, and and that meant that this seven-year-old could have a whole half of chicken to herself if I wanted to. 
I went, wow, I looked at all the table and I could have this and I can have that as much as I want. Well, I ate until I was full and I couldn't get up. I couldn't put anything else in my mouth and I went on the couch and I laid down and, and I was crying. And my father asked me, what, Phyllis, what's wrong with you? And I said, my mouth is hungry, but my stomach is full. And, and that was the biggest joke in the family. Oh, poor baby. Oh, it's okay. And he joked with us and, and laughed. And, and it was considered cute. When I got into recovery, <clears throat> that's not cute. Almost getting into accidents. And, and some people do get in accidents eating. I mean, we, people say people don't die from compulsive overeating. You certainly do. Um, and I want to grab them, like I said, like my sister, but, but it's not, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. I qualify. I qualify because I say I qualify. I, um, because I know in my heart that I qualify. And anonymity is, is the 12th tradition. If anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, they were reminding us to place principles before personalities. I would hear people in meetings in, in Southern California, especially, when we would say the 12th tradition, everybody would quote, principles before personalities. And I asked a guy one time, what are they talking about? And um, this guy said, they don't know what they're talking about either. They're just mouthing words. They really don't know what they're talking about. And I think about that a lot of times. I, I studied the traditions and, and a couple of ladies that, that I sponsor are studying the 12 traditions and so we get to go over them and one of the ladies helped write some of the traditions I mean just the, the written form in the book that we have and so she wanted to write me a whole textbook and I said no what I want you to do is give me two pages and just synopsize that and tell me what the program is about it is difficult it's really difficult thinking about anonymity and how it applies and I see the God, but there's so many things going on in my head at the same time. That's why I say my God has a sense of humor because I wanted to bring my glasses and just read. And then that way, if you see it from the book, you know that it's the books and it's not me. But um, another thing that my sister taught me when I first came into recovery is that you say a prayer, yes, guide, God to guide your words, and you just go. And anything else that comes out is BS. Um, Oftentimes, when I see the traditions broken, and they're broken in a lot of different subtle ways, um, in my opinion, and at the end we say the opinions expressed here are the opinions of the speaker themselves, not necessarily always a whole. A person comes into a meeting and someone yells out, who are you? Tradition three says, you remember when you say you are. All I have to do is say I'm a member. I don't have to say I'm my name. I don't have to qualify. Well, I do that out of respect to the group, and I do that out of respect to other people. Um, other people and their abstinence at the level of press, radio, films, and public, other forms of public media. We are representing our program. If I'm on public television, and I'm doing a cooking show, and I'm eating everything that's in sight, and I'm saying that I am a member of Overeaters Anonymous, what kind of attraction is that to the program? What does that show? Um, 
God, anonymity. There was a whole list, I believe, that, uh, and there's a whole list of questions in here that you ask yourself. What is it? Are you practicing? What principle are you practicing? And the biggest thing that I think about and that I look at is, am I practicing the principle of love? Am I practicing the principle of love? I would love to beat somebody down and carry them into the program. I lived on an island um, called Lanai in Hawaii, and I moved from Oahu. I worked in the hospital, and I moved from that one island to Lanai to work in the hospital, and there were no OA meetings there. As a matter of fact, there were no 12-step meetings there, period. And there was a lady working in the hospital that was obviously a compulsive overeater. And I wanted to do as my sister did and chase her down the hall and tell her that, do you have a problem? Do you want to do something? Can we, can we help? What can we do? So I found out the proper protocol. And not to say that I've done everything perfectly because we learn through doing. I learn through doing. Um, I went to our local public place and asked them how would I put up a notice to have an OA meeting and I posted it and got permission from the hospital and we wound up having an OA meeting in the hospital and and I wound up being able to stay abstinent and I wound up being able to stay in recovery for a while but it's 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 really difficult wanting to carry that banner I use my sister a lot because my sister was my and is my role model in the program and she and I are quite different. I came into recovery in 1979. I first came into Overeaters Anonymous Thanksgiving 1981. I stayed in recovery. I stayed abstinent for three years. That boyfriend that I talked about that was the attraction to the program for me decided to take his life. He committed suicide when um, I had three years in recovery and that was one of the hardest things for me to do is to go around and not and not eat and not stuff it down I didn't realize at first when people said if you want to find out why you eat stop eating I said well that's ridiculous that's ludicrous what are you talking about stop eating I stopped I got real happy about something at work and this little voice in my head said oh boy let's eat and then I got upset with somebody and resentful I'll show them I'll eat and other feelings came up and then I understood that part that if you want to find out why you eat stop eating my abstinence now is three meals a day nothing in between and the way that I, I follow a particular plan of eating and it's a, a particular plan that I follow my sister says it's totally weird because I'm a vegan and there are a lot of things that I choose not to put in my body and mainly today is for my health and it's not because I'm trying to look real cute and to um, attract or promote my body and myself but I want to say I want the gifts that this program has to offer I want to be able to get up in the morning and have free joints and to have a clear head and not to have that hangover, not to have that sugar hangover, not to sleep so long because I've been eating incessantly. And that came as, that comes over a period of time, just like the traditions, learning the traditions come over a period of time. 
you don't just run into the program knowing the traditions and learning them. And so that's where practicing the principle of love comes in. That oftentimes I have to sit back and I have to bite my tongue and I have to be quiet when I hear certain things promoted. But there are other times that I don't sit back and I'm not quiet. I was in a restaurant with some ladies after a meeting a few days ago and they were arguing about the traditions. And we all were sitting at a really big table and two ladies really got into an argument. But this tradition says and blah, 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 blah. And they were going back and forth and they got real loud. And I had to grab one of the ladies by the arm and say, we are in a public place and you are talking about our traditions in our program. This is a program of attraction, not promotion. Please tone it down. But, um, yeah. I'm in recovery today. I'm in recovery today by the grace of God. The principles to me are this is the spiritual foundation of, of everything. And that and pure love is what keeps me here. It's what teaches me tolerance. It's what keeps me from not controlling the other person and saying what they ought to be doing but looking at myself and pointing that finger back at me and asking myself, what, what am I following? What principle am I following? At this, um, my brain is going back and forth, and like I said, my God has a sense of humor, so I can't skillfully go over here and read you these questions and, and read a quote out, so I'm going to bow out at this time, and you won't have to knock on the table, but I thank you for allowing me to be of service. Okay. And I will introduce our next speaker, who is from Southern California. Hi, my name is Cass. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Cass. Hi. Um, <clears throat> I'll just first qualify. Um, I currently uh, have eight years and four months of abstinence and given away and maintaining between 25 and um, 30 pounds. And, yeah, this topic, anonymity, um, attraction, not promotion. Well, I, I want to share just a story of how I got here because my story is I got here from attraction. Um, I was at, uh, I had just taken a job, and there's a woman there that worked there in the front office, and um, I have no business having anything similar to this woman in the front office. We were about night and day. And, but I took notice of her, and, um, and uh, she, she had what the big book talks about. She had something about her in her eyes. She had this, this look in her eyes that I was very, I was very attracted to. And, uh, and just the way she, she handled herself in, professionally in the workplace, in a really chaotic work, workplace. And I was watching her, and I was watching her look better and better and better. And, uh, and, and, and I'm a good, I'm a good, I like to study, you know, like I'm, I like to study people, you know, I mean, I like to see what's going on with them. And she had this thing going on with her, and, and I would tell her, you know, that she was great and everything. And then one day she asked me if I would support her in something that was really important to her. And, I thought it was kind of cool because I didn't know a whole lot of people at work, and I said, absolutely. And I found myself on a Wednesday night sitting in Santa Monica in the back of 
uh, one of the biggest OA meetings there, watching her step up for her first 30 days. And uh, I knew nothing about 12-step programs. I didn't even know they existed. I didn't know there was a particular one for, for food. But I sat in the back of that room, and I watched one person after the other get up and talk about the crazy, crazy things they used to do with food, what happened to change them, and then what, what they were doing today. In other words, people were saying, I don't have to do the thing I didn't want to do anymore, and there's another way to do it. And I sat in the back of the room overwhelmed because my friend didn't even know my issues with food. You know, I'm a good, I'm a seat. Part of my story is I'm a, I try and make it look like everything's good on the outside and everything's going on. And, and on the inside, I was living this kind of quiet life of desperation, like kind of devastated on the inside, but, but look into the world like everything's fine. And um, so I heard these people telling my story one after the other. And... I was blown away because I never told the truth. I never told the truth about what was really going on with me. And um, so I left that meeting not understanding about three-quarters of what was going on because there were a lot of jingles and a lot of phrases and a lot of talk about steps and things I had no idea about. But I left that meeting with one thing, which now I know what it was, was hope. I left that meeting with hope that there was a way to do it differently. And... Um, I had to believe it because I saw it in these people and I didn't even know who they were before but I got that there I was told on the very first meeting that, that I never would have to, to do this thing on my own again and I didn't believe them because I had big trust issues but um, so I left that meeting with hope and I never I've been coming back ever since and uh, the joke I had with my friend is the next week Wednesday came around and I asked her if she needed support going to that thing <laughs> that she needed support in and uh, she could laugh because I could not ask for myself you know I couldn't get back there by myself I had to that was my anyway my second time back and ever since then I just keep coming back but um, that's my experience here it's like on all different levels this attraction rather than promotion you know I was absolutely attracted to the way she was out in the world let alone her weight loss and how she you know but just this whole concept of what she embodied I was I was attracted to and um you know, for me, that that has served me well because I have found a solution here. And I think the principles that we work by here are what allow this to work. We can maintain this as a spiritual fellowship because of the principles we have. I mean, it fascinates me that, you know, we can go anywhere in the world and we all adhere to these principles. So, therefore, the message gets spread, you know, anywhere and everywhere because of these, because of these guidelines. And um, the anonymity specifically, I think is, I just think it's one of the strongest things of keeping this safe and keeping this somewhere, you know, that we can come and we can talk about where we meet. We can talk about what our principles are. We can talk about how it works. Um, we can, we can uh, put things out in the community for people to know about us. But my experience is when one individual person becomes a spokesperson for OA as a whole, uh, it, it feels like, it, and I've heard stories of old timers about how that can get really dangerous for us. Because, you know, as you alluded to, it's like if someone's out there being the spokesperson, how they live their life and being a human being as all of us are, they're going to have human things that they do. 
And if someone's basing the entire program off somebody's behavior, someone else's behavior, I think it, it can become very, and I've seen it happen, it becomes dangerous in all kinds of ways. Um, I think for the individual, because if they fall, I think it's hard to, to come back. And, you know, if they become some kind of spokesperson, and we're just, I'm just one among many here. You know, I get to be human. I get to fall and stumble and brush my knees and come back. And, and, you know, I get to keep learning. I get to keep growing up here. And I think that, you know, thank God we don't have people who, you know, have to assume those roles that, that you know, lose the preciousness of this being a spiritual, a spiritual program. Um, we're... You were talking about the principles, and uh, you know my experience is growing up here is that you know we get to carry the message, and that you know message being if someone this is how I deal with it. This is just my experience, and that's all I can share. Is someone if someone is attracted to some like I have a lot of situations where people are curious about what I'm eating and what I'm not eating, and my experience with that is. If I give them some kind of response and they keep asking me and they ask me a third time, it's like they probably have an issue with food <laughs> because most people don't care what other people put in their mouth unless, you know, they have some kind of interest in it themselves. And so, you know, I, I share, you know, on a general way initially. And if they're really interested, I will tell, you know, I'll tell them what I do and what works for me. Um, but really on a bigger level, what I've experienced and what I've seen with the people who go ahead of me are that not only do we carry the message, but people become the message, you know, and, they, and the way they are out in the world practicing these principles are what the attraction really is, you know, and, and, and I've seen that. And I'm, I'm attracted to people, you know, both who have walked ahead of me and walked behind me by how they are out in the world and how they embody these, these principles. And, and you talked about them, but in the 12th... Um, Tradition, they do talk about what these principles are that we're talking about, principles before personalities. And uh, it took me, you know, several years to realize what are we talking about when we say, when, when we talk about that. And they're listed here in the tradition. I just want to read them out. Because this is what we're talking about when we're out in the world. Um, they are... And they and they parallel the twelve steps. So in the in the twelve steps are listed. Um, with step one is the principle of honesty. With step two is the principle of hope. Step three is the principle of faith. Step four is the principle of courage. Step five is the principle of integrity. Step six is the principle of willingness. Step seven is the principle of humility. Step eight, principle of self-discipline. Self step nine is the principle of love. Step ten is the principle of perseverance. Step eleven is the principle of spiritual awareness. And step twelve is the principle of service. And um, those are, you know, principles in all of our affairs. You know, that's, that, that's the guide for me. And... At, that's how I feel like I get to grow up, you know, because after the first step, it doesn't talk about food anymore. You know, it talks about, it talks about a, a, a spiritual way of life. And my deal was I did not know how to be in the world unless I was taking the edge off with food all the time. 
you know, I just, that was where I, I struggled. I, my, most of my struggle was in, in relationships with other people, either intimate or casual or whatever that could be. But um, that's my deal. When I'm uncomfortable, I just took the edge off with food all the time. And I didn't have this, this guide of how to be out in the world with me not controlling, trying to control people, places, and things. My whole deal was if I could control what was around me, then I'd finally be safe, you know. And then I come to find out here that those are the only three things I cannot control are people, places, and things. So I need to learn how to be in the world, you know, and have some kind of guide. And that's what I get here. I get to grow up here with these principles, and there are principles that guide me. And, and this is my absolute experience. Before I came in here, I mean, I've come to find out through doing a lot of work and specifically in, in, in the fourth step and in, in ongoing ten steps that I suffer from a couple of things. I'm an anxious, fear-based person that I would have never known about had I not come in here because I was so busy looking like I was okay in the world. But that, those are the things that I suffer from. And, and that I was always trying to adjust myself to you. And uh, what that does is it takes me out of the moment. I'm not even present when I'm trying to adjust myself to you. And, um, and in doing that, adjusting myself to you, a lot of things go on for me. My instincts are to control, manipulate, convince, um, somehow get you <laughs> to do something that's going to make me feel comfortable. And, and how this all associates with food is if you don't do those things, my solution is to go ch you know, take the edge off of food. And I just keep doing that. I exit the game of life, and then I re-enter when I'm comfortable. So anyway, these principles absolutely have taught me over time, and it's taken a lot of growing pains, and it continues to take a lot of growing pains. What they teach me is this. I get to go out in the world, and I have found here, I was just talking to someone this morning about this, I have found here through these steps, which are, outline in detail and it says this book is going to tell you how to specifically with specific clear-cut instructions how to recover and um, luckily I've been led by somebody who walks before me that has walked me page by page through this through the big book and and I don't have to figure anything out it's in, I have instructions right in front of me and I have found that um, you know what I need to insert here is my my belief in a power greater than myself because when I came here, I had a belief. I had a belief ever since I was a little kid. I just had no concept of how I was supposed to connect to that power greater than me. I had no access to that power greater than me. And what I've come to find out is that working the steps, which embody these principles, are the absolute bridge for me to getting from my how do I find it to finding a power greater than me. And it started with just the, just the littlest little bit of willingness to believe. And that's it. And from there, it got a little stronger, and then my belief has now over time turned into faith. And now my faith is getting stronger. So that I'm, you know, my goal is, one of these principles is perseverance, that one day at a time I'm committed to building my faith. Because I have come to find out there's going to come a time or a place where by myself, like the big book says, I'm going to have the urge to think that my solution is to, to take the edge off with food. That's my solution in my head. My old instincts tell me that. So I need to keep developing my faith. So in this process of developing my faith, I have found that me as a human being out in the world, because other than an hour a day, a couple times a week when I'm in a meeting, <laughs> I am this human being, this you know immature human being walking around in an adult body out in the world. 
that I've come to find that when I am aligned and connecting with my higher power and with my fellows and telling the truth, I get to go out of my world and do what's in front of me, having faith that God is, that, that I'm connected to God and God's going to help me if I ask for help. What ends up happening is I get to live a life today, personally and professionally, where I get to go out and do the do and not as much have to convince, manipulate, get you working the way I want you to work to believe what I believe, you know, or to think the way I think or to convince you, you know, professionally that I think this is the solution. You know, I used to do a lot of work trying to convince you that this was the way to do it. And what ended up happening was because of my reaction to you not wanting to be told <laughs> how to do it or to be manipulated or convinced or any of those things, you pushed away from me, you know, and it's not a, it wasn't an attractive way to be out in the world. And who wants to be told these things? And then you go away and I'm wondering why I have struggles in relationships and why I'm feeling alone. So what I've learned here is that I get to kind of state my case. I get to do what I feel like I'm being led to do. And I get to, God willing, let go of the results. You know, and to me, that is part of this principles before personalities, you know, is to just be guided by these principles, have faith that I'm being, I'm on a path. I know I'm on a path today. It's like when I came into these rooms, I got, I'm on a path. You know, how, how, how much I'm progressing along the path is, you know, about my willingness and about God's grace. But um, I get that I'm on a path. And so I guess what I want to share a little bit about is, is about how these principles before personality help me in my life today because all right we'll start with professionally what I do professionally I work with a lot of people one-on-one -on -one. and you know there's a lot of people I don't like you know and there's a lot of people that want a lot more than what I can offer them and all these things go on but you know because of these principles I get to just show up and do my job and leave the results you know I get to I have a I have a I have a way about going about it and I listen and I adapt and all those things, but I get to show up for those people and be of service and, you know, detach from what I want the outcome to be. And, and that's been a real hard thing for me. And, and what I want to share about that is about four years ago, I had a wipeout, like a physical wipeout for me um, around my work. And somehow I think it ties into these principles, you know, because I, I was very invested in, uh, and I guess the prestige of, of what I was doing and, and wanting certain outcomes. And, and it wiped me out physically. And, you know, God works in mysterious ways because for me, physically, that's the way I get the message. You know, I've always been able to rely on my body to be strong and to get me do whatever I wanted it to do. And my body had to wipe out for me to, like, get the next growing pains of learning about, you know, principles and that, that I'm not in control. And... Um, so I got to see that, and I got to see that uh, I, I was very invested in my self-esteem regarding and my value regarding my job. And God got to show me, you know, that that's not who I am. That's something that I do, but that's not who I am. And, um, and I got that. I got that humbling experience, you know, of being able to see that. I also see this in, uh, in, my, personal, in my personal life, my family life. I'll give you one example with my parents. 
You know, I have a lot of ideas of how they should do things, especially now that I'm in a program that teaches me a way of life that, you know, is different than the one that they signed up for. They didn't sign up for this way of life that I'm doing today. You know, they have their way of life and they're fine with it. And I see how things could be better. And so I have a lot of ideas about how things could be better. And I want to apply those to my parents. And, um, and they're not interested. And the more I realize that it's not my job, I can be attraction rather than promotion, and I can just live my life, and if they're attracted to it and they really want to know, I'll be happy to share. They haven't asked me so far. <laughs> but that's, for me, it is part of this, this concept is that the more I let them be who they are and the more I've done my work around these steps, and I, and I just get to see that, you know, I don't have to make my parents the people I wanted them to be. You know, they are who they are, and they gave me what they, what they could give me, and, and I'm grateful about that today, you know, and I also see I don't go to that phrase, I don't go to the hardware store for milk. You know, if I need support in a certain way and I know that that's not how they're comfortable doing it, I go to, the, I go to my sponsor, I go to my fellows who can be there emotionally for me. And I've learned who that is. And as a result of that, my relationship with my parents has gotten much better. They get to be who they are and I get to be who I am. And um, it's an awesome thing. So it. Not only, okay, now we'll talk about in the room. <laughs> I've found um, through my time that practicing these principles in all of our affairs and principles before personalities, I've practiced quite a bit, sometimes more in the rooms than out of the rooms. And that's just me and my thinking because my thinking is that we come here and that we all like abide by these principles, you know, but we're all in different stages of growth, you know, and we all have, we all come from where we come from. And so my assumption is like, and my expectations catch me off guard sometimes. And, um, and this in the rooms absolutely is one place I really have to exercise love, you know, and acceptance. And yet also, you know, I've learned from old, old timers, like my mentors that have over 20 years of apps of been abstaining and working these principles is that when traditions are being broken, you know, it's part of an old timers to step in and, you know, to speak up when that needs to be when that needs to be spoken up so um you know i'm just learning and uh i just keep getting to show up um let's see what else i want to share yeah just the concept that uh it talks about in the sense of How I behave out in the world is really what just what the deal is. You know, it's like I've I've found that for the most part I've been relieved from from compulsive overeating. I mean, pretty good portion of the time when my emotions are really rocked and I'm in another vulnerable place where the onion has been peeled to a whole other layer. You know, old thoughts come back to me that somehow food is going to help this. You know, like that food's going to like take off the edge. <laughs> so I still have those thoughts, but for the most part, um, I, the concept of wanting just to go out and check out, you know, I'm not plagued by that today. And that's just based on, you know, what they talk about, maintaining a fit spiritual condition. For the most part, I, I don't get into those places, and I think I'm connected enough in fellowship with my sponsor and with my sponsees, which keeps me connected, that we're on a path and we're supporting each other. So I haven't been there in a long time, but... 
I think what it really comes down to for me is, you know, in all areas of our lives, carrying this principle out, you know, in all areas of my life. And that's where, you know, I continue to want to grow and, um, you know, persevere that, that I'm growing up here. You know, I, I feel about sometimes about my abstinence age out in the world, you know. I'm about 8 to 12, and I'm in that awkward stage of growth where I'm in this adult body and I'm out there trying to be one among many in the world and and my defenses still come up. You know, my defenses come up when they're challenged and when I feel vulnerable. And and for me, that's just about, yep, they're up right now and I get to tell the truth about them. I get to look at them and then I get to do whatever work, you know, is suggested for me around those things. And uh, the 10th step really helps me with that because I found that a fourth step was really integral for me to just get to the present, just to be right here, right now, looking at you in the eyes. I had to do a fourth step and a fifth step because I wasn't present. I, I'm, usually I'm in fear about the past or what's going to happen in the future. And so if I'm not present right here with you, I'm not present with me, I'm not present with my higher power. But um, on a daily basis now, what I need to check in with to be present is boils down to about four things that I do in my 10th step and that's where am I resentful because all my resentments are just my reactions to being vulnerable in the world like it's some kind of instinct that's gone way astray and I and I, I just get defensive and and so I need to see where am I resentful um, selfish dishonest or afraid and usually if something's up in a day, it usually falls into 90% of the time into where am I resentful or where am I afraid. And they're both related for me because where I'm afraid, I usually do something with my character defects that, that set up this resentment. And uh, I just get to look at my own stuff. So um, I think that's all I have to share. So I guess we'll open it up now for, for questions. We'll now have questions from the Ask It Basket. Okay. Okay, these aren't addressed to people, so I guess we'll both field it if whoever wants to take it. Okay, the question is How do you view internet anonymity, such as food addiction? email loops or diet loops is it okay to say what we do OA to attract others I have no experience with this do you um this is an I'm going to run up and get my glasses how do you how do you view internet anonymity such as food addiction email loops or diet loops is it okay to say what we do to attract others at the level of press, radio, television, and other forms of public media. I don't believe that there's an exception there. If you're, if you're speaking as this spokesperson, this picture book person of Overeaters Anonymous, and you say I'm a member of Overeaters Anonymous, somebody asked me, like, I, what you, okay, I'm floundering again. I don't go to a hardware store to get milk. I like that. I like that. If my family asks me what do I do, 
I tell them that I am a member of a fellowship or I'm allergic to a particular thing. I offer to give them literature or direct them to a particular, direct them to it. I direct them to a place, not, not necessarily what I do, but there, are, there is help. Um, you want to get married. There is a church down the street. You can go to this particular church. There are several choices. That's, that's about it that I could say. I can't tell a person, eat this diet, eat that diet. I, I, I can't do that. I'm vegan. Other people eat meat. <laughs> okay, I can read this okay. one. Why isn't the name Overeaters Anonymous posted at this convention? How could an... Okay, these are three questions here. How could a new person know they could get help here? Is this a private conference for people in the fellowship? Which one do you want to take? Why isn't the first um, one? Sure. Well, I guess this is referring to, and if the person feels comfortable, so we can clarify this, is this because it says OA in the, on the front board? Is that? It doesn't say it doesn't say overuse anonymous. This it just passed the motion and, and unanimously that the name overuse anonymous will be displayed at all conventions and things related to region two. I see. So it it says out there OA recovery of in, on the big white board. Overuse anonymous voices of recovery voices of recovery. That's overuse. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um. Well. That's a good question. <laughs> we're talking about anonymity. Yeah. Because the reason originally that we were told was to keep uh, protect obese people that were at the convention three uh, years ago. I see. I see. Somebody was new and they said, how would anybody know Overeaters Anonymous was here? It says R2 on the bulletin board. Uh -huh. So the question is if our primary, if this is our primary purpose. Right. To carry the message. Why are we carrying the message? Right. Yeah, so I'm just going to repeat it in here so people who are listening yeah, can. Yeah, so it, we're just re repeating the good question of why in the front of the conference when people enter, isn't there cl a sign clearly saying Overeaters Anonymous so that any newcomer would know that, you know, there's, that Overeaters Anonymous is here and that we're holding this convention. The, the board, the, the chairman of the board, when we were at a retreat, and posed the question, is, is Overeaters Anonymous Anonymous? Answer from the board of trustees. Absolutely not. The name over your synonymous is not a The people in the fellowship are. Absolutely. So, just again for the tape, the clarification is that the people in the, in the program are anonymous, not the program itself being anonymous to those people who want to get help. Okay. Take the next one. Um, yeah, and getting back to why isn't the name Overeaters Anonymous posted at this convention, I would. The same reason the t-shirts that we have. When you walk around, it doesn't have Overeaters Anonymous on the t-shirt. It has Oasis of Recovery. And it points out the O and it points out the A. I know that I belong to this fellowship. But if I'm standing out and I've got a neon sign in front of me saying that this is Overeaters Anonymous, that is breaking anonymity all over the place. Um, yeah. It, for other people, the other question is, how would a new person know to get help? This is R2. This is Region 2. We are part of Overeaters Anonymous. It's, God, this is not a public information conference. 
I guess that's, that's although there is public information going on here, it's a celebration of recovery that we all come to. I'm not on the board. I wasn't at the meeting. I don't know what all of their general reasons were, but there are a lot of subtle ways to break anonymity. And I believe that that's probably, from what you're saying, I don't know, I could be totally wrong. Okay. You absolutely have every right to protect your own personal anonymity by not wearing a t-shirt that says over here. Right. But it is our duty and responsibility to let people know this is over here anonymous because that's what it is. And if we're too ashamed to be in this fellowship and let people know we're here when they walk in the door and want help, then, then we need to correct that. And like you said, old timers need to get up and say something about it. And that's what I'm saying. No, nothing personal at all. Mm -hmm. Bringing it up yeah. here. We wore our badges into the Denny's up in L.A. And a lady walked through the door. She says, I need to go there. That says something very loudly. And, and the 12th tradition book, the 8th 12th tradition book speaks to it very clearly. Mm -hmm. so, just okay, and I'm going to leave that at that because it yeah. sounds like it's something a lot deeper than what you are supposed <laughs> to have experience with. That's okay. Let's take another question. Okay. We'll go on from here. Okay. Please define anonymity in newspaper or church bulletin notices for meeting information. Please define it. Well, I guess just to clarify the anonymity, on, because this is based on a personal, this is about personal anonymity and, and, um, you're not having, in the, the main point of not having just one spokesperson for this, for the group. So, as far as defining anonymity in the newspaper or church bulletin, that's where the information can be spread. But what the, the significant and the, the, I think the core issue is, when an individual is speaking to the media, press, television, whatever that is, there's two, basically two choices as I understand it from our literature. One is if you decide to associate yourself as a member of Overeaters Anonymous, then the guidelines are not to use your picture and not to use your last name. If you choose to not associate yourself as a member of Overeaters Anonymous, it's fine to use your picture and to use your last name. And that's the core of anonymity. And, and other than that, we, this is how our intergroups and how our, how our branches do put out public notices everywhere. I mean, as far as News, maybe the newspaper, church bulletins, um, hospitals and institutions, doctors, all kinds of different levels. So, uh, I hope there's. I know that, and I think what I, I think I would use the wrong word is that it attracts enough emotion and brought up something that we're promoting. I put it into a church bulletin, and I thought that was. I didn't agree with that. It's not correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's only when it associates with the... the you put it in, basically, in any Right, because it's the group as a whole and not the individual. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There we go. Okay, please share about the difference between personal anonymity... Okay. Please share about the difference between personal anonymity and the perceived concept of anonymity of the group itself. And please share about your feelings on personal anonymity inside our fellowship. Do you feel that the decrease in OA fellowship population is a direct result of a misinterpreted sense of personal anonymity? 
Wow. <laughs> okay, well, I think we shared about the difference of personal anonymity. So mm -hmm. the other question is, please share about your feelings on personal anonymity inside our fellowship. And do you feel that the decrease in OA fellowship population is a direct result of a misinterpreted sense of personal anonymity? Um, do you want to share on that? The second part of that question, just to simply, and that's it's all, it would only be my opinion, is no. That's, that's just simply no. The decrease in, I don't know about a decrease in the population in Overeaters Anonymous. I really don't know about that. And I don't know the statistics. I can't quote that. So I can say no. All I can talk about is my little area that I live in where we have one OA meeting and we depend on each other. And we are attracted to each other in the fellowship. That's part, one of the biggest attractions to me are the people there in the rooms. What they're doing about their recovery how they're doing it and how we can help. And not just the people that are staying absent, but the people that are going through life, that are going through something, that are not, okay, I did this, I slipped, um, but I'm up again and, I, and I'm trying it again. That's attraction to me. All of that's attraction to me. And that's one of the things that keeps me coming back to the rooms. It really does. The, uh, the first part of that question was, my brain just left it again. Oh, the difference with yeah, right. The difference between personal anonymity and I, I, I was sometimes people come up and they talk about a person and they give the person's name specifically. Okay, Mary Lou, my sponsor, said that da 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 da. And other people come up and say a person said and and I just think that that's an individual thing. Or I can say so-and-so's name because they said I could say so-and-so's name. Again, I, I think that that, because we're within our fellowship, that's a choice. That's your choice, that, that however you perceive it. Another question? Yeah, do you have these over here? Did we answer? This is all one question. This is all one question. Yeah. We did that, okay. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, this is a quote, and I assume this is from the literature. But it, became, but it became apparent that the word of mouth was too limited. Our work as such needed to be publicized. Please discuss. Who, uh, who? Okay, could you expound on that? Well, it's, it's from the 12th tradition, the AA 12 and 12. Right. Okay. And they said that, they were talking about the concept that just talking about it wasn't sufficient. There had to be more ways to get the concept of, of this incredible gift of sobriety out to other people who were still suffering. And just talking to one person or another became evident that it just it wasn't enough. And so they had to publicize it. Therefore, the hard I just wanted your opinion on the concept right. of, of, of publicizing what we have to offer in over your okay. terms of anonymity. Right. I, I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, and therefore we have a, a big book <laughs> that we, as a guide, we have our literature, you know, and, and then we have other avenues to get the message out because, you know, absolutely. I mean, 
we hear the message where we hear the message, but hopefully the message is out there. So <laughs> there's opportunities, you know, that that um, can be taken on a more organized level in our inner groups and in world service and things like that to find avenues for us to get the word out there to people. And um, I think it's fabulous. I mean, I think even last night there was an example used. Uh, a, a doctor heard about. Uh, this and wanted to come because he wants to be educated so that he can pass, you know, pass on the word. So I just totally agree <laughs> with the divinely inspired. Yes. No, just think it goes back to when I loved her girlfriend talk about when she started the program. It never really grew until they all went on this TV show, and uh, and they didn't get their names or anything, but they talked about it. Mm -hmm. So. Just absolutely. That's public information. That is public information. That's what we were talking about. The individual as as opposed to this is I mean, we're in the information age all over the place. How do you let people know? The point that you two were bringing up at the very first. How do you let them know that this is a conference of overheaters anonymous? Yeah, I totally agree as well. Um, I believe this is all our questions. Well, I think we have about 17 minutes or 10 minutes. Does anyone else have any other questions? Otherwise, we can sleep. Hi, uh, my name is Joanna. Um, hi, uh, I just wanted to say that I was the one who wrote the question about the, uh, the Internet, and that is uh, I should be more specific about what I was asking, and that is say I'm in um, uh, a, a loop that's talking about a certain food plant that people are using, but it, it's not always related at all. And then somebody writes in and says, I just can't stop eating. Is it appropriate to respond and say, I found the 12-step program that helps to deal with that aspect, the obsession part of it, as opposed to the diet part? Well, from if you, 